0: Above the horizontal.
1: <laughs> pushes it away from the cal. What else should I be? All apologies. It's Above the Horizontal, a rugby league podcast run by a bunch of dudes who used to write for realsport101.com. My name is Bo Nicholson. I'm the host. And tonight I'm joined by two of the originals on this podcast. In fact, it's Miles Stedman and Kieran Gibson. Miles, four seasons ago in the year 2020, this podcast was actually your brainchild. So, how are you going? It's been a while since we've spoken.
0: It has been a while since we've spoken, Beau. Uh It really doesn't, it, I mean, as much as it, you claim that it was my brainchild, I think everyone that listens would recognize that you've certainly picked it up and run with it. Um, so, congratulations to you on a very successful podcast. Well, at least it keeps us entertained. Uh, I'm sure there are others <laughs> out there also entertained, but it does its number one job. Let's be honest.
1: Yeah, all all three of you guys uh, like to <laughs> keep the keep the numbers up. Uh, I'm sure. No, it's a bit it's a bit more than three. Actually, we got we got okay numbers. I always like to say, uh, even if you only get. 15 downloads on an episode just imagine that you're in a room of 15 people and they're all listening to what you have to say about something and that's kind of cool i think so and we get more than 15 so that's that's nice uh which is also nice for kieran gibson kieran uh, how you been my friend
2: yeah pretty well um had my birthday last week which was nice and i have to echo what miles actually said um about uh yeah your brain well you taking hold of of the podcast and just doing really well with it um and obviously having us on every week to enjoy each other's company, it's been really enjoyable, looking forward to it each week. But um, yeah, no, uh, the finals were a bit so-so on the weekend, except for that last game. I think that kind of rescued, uh, yeah, the final series so far for how it's gone. Well, it depends on who you ask. Uh, and But thank you both for
1: saying what you've said so far. I am well known for grabbing hold of other people's children sorry no not, not children brain children and <laughs> and mm. running with them um not children uh, to be clear not children let's get off that topic yeah. it's time for it's time for the wildcard awards which is one of the, so very in the very early days uh, of this podcast uh, the three of us used to uh go through a classic match because it was during covid so there was actually no football on at the time and we went through classic matches and we'd give like retrospective random awards to various things uh, in the game. And that sort of morphed into a weekly award where we just give awards to whatever we feel like giving awards to. So, Kieran, what's your wildcard award this week?
2: Um, mine is a, an excerpt uh, of commentary from Warren Smith for a uh, Mark Riddell goal um, to win the game. I think it was against Dragons against Manly. But anyway, I've got the, the crowd stands as one and the flags go up award, which goes to the Newcastle crowd. Mm. This is commentary from a, a Piggy Riddell goal kick to win against Manly, but the commentary would have been apt for the Newcastle crowd going nuts in delirium, all on their feet as Newcastle scored 22 points on the trot in their second half elimination final. Um, this gave me goosebumps, and it, it just reignites a famously known re- rugby league town into a potential premiership co- contender so long as Ponga is there. I especially
1: think about as Dom Young was streaking away down the sideline while Jordan Rapanara chased in vain and that whole that whole side of like it, it, it might be a grandstand it looks kind of like an outer almost but it's just like they all just erupted into this sea of red and blue it looked amazing from from both angles miles there was a lot of commentary about the fact that you know even commentators were going there like Billy Slater said that he went there, and you know you try and stay impartial, but even he felt like he wanted to be a Newcastle Knights fan uh, watching the game. Did you get the similar kind of impression?
0: Yeah, um, for better or worse, uh, I think this. I think week one is always the best week of the finals, just because you have that um, aspect of all teams get a home home field advantage. Uh, even the Sharks who are rebuilding their stadium as we speak. Um, I was actually watching this game at the pub with a bunch of, uh, no Raiders fans, but a bunch of boisterous uh, Knights fans, which was good fun. Um, so, happy, yeah, happy to see the Knights get up. I think I, I certainly lean more toward Knights than, than Raiders in terms of teams that I like. Um, so, yeah, happy to, happy to see them win.
1: Me too. Uh, the Knights were always my second team uh, from way back in the day. So, uh, I am glad to see them win. I will go next on the... Wildcard awards. Mine's a bit more negative than Kieran's, uh, but I do use Kieran's voice because mine is the-
3: Get absolutely (laughs) fucked,
1: Mike. (laughs) Award, and it goes goes to uh, the commentators and pundits that have just been a a little bit over the top for my liking when it comes to a lot of the things that they've been saying, which, you know, like, for example, you talk about, Kieran, you said that the four games- most of them were kind of a bit on the underwhelming side, I agree. But you wouldn't believe it because on f- Friday night when the Broncos were smashing the storm 26-0, you had Fatty Vorton constantly saying it's one of the best finals he can remember seeing.
3: It absolutely fucked, mate.
1: <laughs> and then you had the Panthers and the Warriors where you had people I, – I heard so – Back in the old days, they had rugby league week and each round they'd, they'd uh, give a player a rating and if a player got like 9 out of 10, that's like a, like an amazing game because only like... 10 players ever in the history of that magazine got a 10. And then all the people were just like, oh, if the Rugby League week was still around, Nathan Cleary would have got a 10. And oh, it was amazing. It absolutely fucked, mate. Not to mention the fact that the Roosters had apparently one of the bravest and most brilliant victories in their entire history since 1908. It absolutely
3: fucked, mate.
1: And then. The Knights versus the Raiders is one of the best finals in recent memory, and I kind of actually agree with that one. So I'll, I'll let <laughs> I'll, I'll let them have that one because I think that was a really entertaining game. But the rest of it, I just I just can't cop it. So the it
3: absolutely fucked mate.
1: award goes to all the commentators that go a little bit over the top. Uh, Miles, I may be guilty of going a bit over the top just there, but what's your wildcard award this week?
0: Well, I've got the uh, – I've, I've just thought of the name of this on the fly, so how can I – but the the Matthew Mitchum Award for backflipping. Um, <laughs> this, this is sort of um, – <laughs> this is sort of flying under the radar a little bit this week because everyone's rightfully so um, focused on the footy, but – um, there's one of the um, the upcoming changes to the CBA was leaked um, to uh, Michael Chamis, who reported it for City Morning Herald. Um, and the, the supposed change is that um, players will have a a, a sort of a, a pre-cooling off period of 10 days where, by the way, by, by what I can remember, um, they inform their current club that they're choosing to sign with another club and then that, that club that they're um, they're currently a part of gets 10 days to convince them to to stay. Um, And uh, the reason that I like it is because it it provides a little bit more certainty for not just for the clubs but for the fans as well as to in terms of, you know, it's clearly out there. Um, There's a a stated period by which the player gets to make that decision of whether they stay or go. And, And at the end of it, you can sort of be a little bit more sure that, your club will be getting or, or won't be getting that player at the end of those, those 10 days. Um, you know, we've seen, obviously, Dale Cherry Evans is the famous one, but recent years, um, uh, it, it, was, it was sort of popular to question, guys like Isaiah Papali, whether he's going to go, go to mm. the Tigers or not, and stuff like that. Um, and I, I think this is good for the game. Um, now, whether there will still be clauses, such as the, the mooted clause that Papali had, which is that, Maguire being fired um, invalidates his contract. I, I, I don't know, but I'm all for anything that gives the fans more certainty and 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 takes some uncertainty out of the game that way.
1: Another example of what you're talking about, and I've always found it confusing, is why does Cherry Evans get painted with this brush, which I agree with, by the way. I think it's kind of dodgy to do the backflip uh, at the point that he did, right? I think that was pretty not – not the best way to do things. Tedesco did the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, and then he backflipped, and he ended up with the Roosters. And I just think about how different the Raiders would have been if, if he went there, or how different he may have been, even. But the <laughs> Do the, you
0: think the it's the, because um everyone can understand that he didn't want to live in Canberra.
1: Well, I mean, like I just think that Ricky Stewart would have <laughs> Ricky Stewart would have used him as like a right center or something. Like who knows? Like <laughs> with with the way that he's been going. But I I'm I, I was when I heard about this, I, I had some questions and I didn't have answers. It sounds like you've done some reading on it with with that article from Chamus. Does it say that? So, say for example, day zero, right? The signing to another arrival club has been made. Uh, does that get announced at that point? As it, I'm not as sure. it would currently today. <laughs> I'm uh, not sure. You're not sure.
0: Ah. Look, uh, uh, my my basis is that um, it will be made clear in the reporting. Uh, now it may not, but even if, say, at you know, the end of that ten-day signing, or well, that ten-day period, elapses, presumably the club will be announcing it following that, and you can you can then be sure that oh, well, the ten days has elapsed. Um, this player is coming to my club next season, um, or, or whatever it may be, or as you you, you might suggest, uh, when the the player informs their club they'll be leaving, um, then it gets reported by. Someone like Chalmers, who, by the way, I must I must add, best reporter in the game by far, with with very few other peers. Um, and then the you know the clock starts ticking. Then and it almost creates this big sort of media circus around that player for the next ten days. Of, you know, will they will they stay true or will they choose to, to backflip or what will the club have to say to try to convince them? So yeah, I think it'd be add an interesting uh, an interesting dynamic to uh, um, something which I, I don't really like about the game anyway, which is that players can sign for a, a club. More than 12 months out from playing for them.
1: Kieran, I'd like to get your thoughts on this because I wonder whether it will actually increase the. Um, let, let, let's say that if somebody is thinking about trying to, like they, they want to stay and they want to increase the contract they have at their current club, I wonder if it will increase the amount of people that actually just go and sign with the freaking Tigers or something and then just just backflip eight days later with no actual intention of going to the Tigers like I wonder if that could be a, a unthought of consequence of this what do you think here
2: yeah that was the exact sort of line of thought that I was thinking down I think um, I don't know how it is uh, in too many other sports but I'm pretty sure in soccer once you pass your medical and you've signed everything like that's it. Like, it's done deal. As, as soon as you hear, Miles will get this one. As soon as you hear Fabrizio or Romano, uh, or Romano say, here we go, that's it. That's It's on the dotted line. You can't be changed. <laughs> sissy
0: he tweets, basically.
2: Yeah, yeah. He's a famous soccer journalist. He just announces every transfer. Uh, there's actually, like, people write on Google, does he sleep? Like, does he ever sleep? Because it's just <laughs> so good at announcing transfers. He's the Danny Weidler of the soccer community? Yes, yeah. God, no. um, Well, yeah. I mean, he's a really nice guy. I I would prefer if players like, yeah, they sign on the dotted line. That's it. There's no, yeah, I can change my mind now. um, So I don't have to be feel like I'm too committed to this in case I want to backflip. To your point, Miles, I think the idea, as long as the,
1: as long as the reporting is clear, right? As long as they're like, look at this point, we're at day zero, the signing has been made very exciting for the player. Now he has 10 days to negotiate with his existing club and the club can, you know, whatever, whatever. So it's not 100% through the line. As long as they're really clear about it and not being over the top about it, increased transparency seems like a good thing. So maybe that's the way.
0: Yeah, let's just hope that's how it plays out, increased transparency. Um, because I think what we'd all like is is what I think Kieran is getting at, which is, you know, once, once you've signed, that's it. You're going for better mm. or worse. But... Um, unfortunately, that seems to be a little bit of rope that rugby league players have, which basically no other uh, players of no other sport have. So, uh, and they're not going to be giving that up anytime soon. Um, so, you know, it's mm. uh, just, uh, I guess, an unfortunateness of our game. Let's
1: talk about the finals games that have happened in week one. We start off with the twenty-six nil victory of the Broncos against the Storm. Uh, so I think you both tipped the Broncos from memory. If memory serves, uh, actually, Marla didn't get your tips because you never sent them through. That's, that's curious.
0: In disgust.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I assume you probably went for the Broncos as well. I went for the storm personally and I thought it, I I thought it'd be a pretty close game. I don't think any of us saw it being like a 26 nil, although Kieran, you did say it would be 10 plus. So, uh, I'll go to you first, I suppose. Um, how do you feel about the Broncos after that game? You obviously thought they were going to win semi-convincingly, but that was something else.
2: Yeah, it was very convincing. But, I mean, the, the nil, to, to hold the storm to nil, that did surprise me. But the, to rack up 26 points didn't surprise me at all. Um, there was only two wins difference between these two clubs on the regular season ladder. But I think the if you looked at... Um, both of the team seasons and you watch the majority of their games you could tell that there was a much much bigger difference than two wins between those two sides um, the Broncos attack and defense both are a lot lot better than the storm um, and yeah I, I thought that that was going to show on Friday night and it did I thought that the Melbourne storm really tried to slow down the ruck in the first 15-20 minutes and they were a bit more they, they seemed more focused on trying to rile up the Broncos players rather than actually Focus on what they had to do, trying to score points and, and get, gain field position. Um, and the Broncos seemed really, really focused on the task. Like complete opposite, um, they were. Their line defense was so impressive. They and they weren't getting many, um, letting the storm get many post contact meters, which really limited um, the storm go forward. And the, the the storm tactics to try and slow down the Broncos go forward didn't really work at all. Um, even though there was a lot of drop ball. Uh, from both sides and and the Broncos I still thought that they were quite impressive they definitely can be a lot lot better but um, it was pretty much the game I was expecting. Miles uh, it's
1: obvious that the Panthers are the benchmark side they have been for a number of years now do the Broncos have the juice can they they get this done from here they've got a a home prelim against either the Warriors or Knights um, so they'll be favorites for that for sure and you know the Panthers will be favorites in their game so it looks like that's the way it's going to go. Can you, can you see them winning a comp?
0: Yeah, I can. Um, for me, the biggest thing this, this season was the, or, you know, going into the finals was the, the question mark over, um, over Kevin Walters. Um, we, you know, he, he, I think it would be fair to say it was an ordinary state of origin coach. Um, mm. And of course we, we all know what happened last year with the Broncos. So <laughs> there were certainly valid questions about him entering the finals and, um, coming up against Craig Bellamy, who is, is pretty much done it all in the NRL, you're certainly excused for thinking that maybe the Storm could win, um, especially considering we all we probably all remember that famous uh, finals when they had over the Broncos up there, um, probably about ten years ago now, um, or maybe mm-hmm. a bit, a little bit longer. I think. Yeah, England
1: wasn't
0: it? Yeah, yeah, still in Storm colours then. Um, so, but the, the Broncos were totally dominant in this game, as as Kieran uh, has said. Um, So I think you you now go from, or at least I now go from looking at, okay, is is Walters, um, does he have a winning game plan which can move past the the best teams in the league? And you say, yes, he can. Um, He's done it. He did it against the Storm. Um, Now, And you absolutely expect the same against the the Knights, the Warriors. Um, So anything can happen on grand final day. So, uh, you know, presuming it is the Panthers and the Broncos, I'm, I'm really excited.
1: Yeah, it might be worth getting some tickets if you are able to. Uh, We'll get to the Storm because we're going to preview next week's game with them against the Roosters. So, we will get to them. But I will say that a lot of people were saying, oh, it's a statement victory from the Broncos. And I'm (coughs) like, don't get me wrong. Keeping the Storm to nil when they have Munster, Hughes, you know, Pappenhausen was there briefly, Grant, you know, they got some good players. Keeping them to nil is an excellent effort, but the Storm were well below their best, and they were not up for it. Like, the Broncos just killed them in the middle, and it was they were not up for it. So, uh, yes, it was impressive. Yes, I think they can win the comp, but I think they still have levels that they can get to. Um, to quote the name, Levels Network, you know. <laughs> <laughs> good on your Willie Mason and Justin Harrow. Uh, I still think they've got levels that they can get to the Broncos, uh, which is probably a good sign for Broncos fans, really. But, um, yes, more on the Storm soon. Let's talk about the Panthers and Warriors. The Panthers won 32-6, uh, to 6, so also a 26-point margin. Miles, is it as simple as saying no SJ, no Warriors?
0: Sort of, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I, I, and I think the the, the big sort of uh, the big caveat there is that um, Sean Johnson provides. I'm not sure mathematically how much, but probably a, a large percentage of the Warriors' finals finals experience. who Harris probably makes up the other large chunk there. Yeah. But um, you know, when you when you've got a player who they rely that much on. Um, Experience-wise and and, and talent-wise, it's always going to be a tough ask. Um, are they are they as bad as they looked against the Panthers? No, um, but they've they've made it a hell of a lot tougher on themselves now, having to to go the long way to the grand final if they want to get there.
1: Can you imagine if they did beat the Panthers and they had a home prelim against whoever the fuck in New Zealand? That would have been unreal, but not the way it's going to be for them. Uh, Kieran, when it came to when it came to that game, obviously the Panthers were quite impressive. But we kind of, I think we take for granted how good the Panthers are. Sometimes, like they just are a really good team, Uh, even without Jerome Luai, who, as I said during the World Cup, in my opinion, probably should have got the Golden Boot for how well he played in international football last year. Uh, So he's not there, and Jack Cogger, who has been recognised as a reserve grade halfback, just slots into 8th and. Cleary plays a ten out of ten game, so um, obviously the Panthers are impressive. But do you, do you see the Warriors being able to pick themselves up from this?
2: Yes, I mean there was a point in the second half when the Warriors Wade Egan scored, and the score was actually twenty to six. And I thought, I honestly thought maybe the um, Warriors could make something of this. I, I didn't think it was over at that point. I think there was about twenty five minutes to go, or something like that. Um, and it was a really good try, really enterprising attacking footy. Um, But yeah, they obviously missed that spark and that direction. But Sean Johnson provides so much to that team. Like, like he's kind of two halfbacks in one in that he has like spark, but he also has that game management ability um, Mm. to him. So that's a huge, it was a huge out. It was always going to be a a huge task to the the, uh, back-to-back premiership um, team. Uh, But yeah, I think with him back, I think it's, it's, I'm I'm excited to see what they do this weekend. I'm still coy to say that they'll win, but um, or hesitant, but uh, we'll see how it goes. I think there's a third thing about
1: SJ, like, or actually maybe a fourth thing, because Miles, you talk about his experience, you talk about his spark here, and you talk about his game management. I think there's also just an aura that sometimes a player just being there makes other players better. So, like you know, like you sit there and look at this guy, and you go, "Wow, this guy has like." scored a try on the buzzer to win Tri Nations finals or Four Nations finals or he was the golden boot winner, you know, when he was a young man and he took this Warriors team to a grand final before can he do it again? You know, like he he has an aura as well. So I, I think as soon as as soon as he was out, the Panthers were already favourites, but as soon as he was out, it was just like sorry, shut the gate. Like it's it's done. Um now obviously the Warriors are everyone's second favorite team this year, pretty much, maybe the Knights, but they're in the top three. And they're the wars now. Up the wars now. The Panthers took the piss with that on social media, and some of the celebrations from the players with up the pars, which got deleted by the social media team with an apology. Kieran, is it a matter of play on nothing to see here, or it
2: absolutely
3: fucked, mate? <laughs> uh,
2: I mean, I I don't really care, but. At the same time, I, I don't know why they did it. Like it's it's week one of the finals as well. That's another huge sticking point. It's like you've won one game in in of the next three that you have to win. After that, um, it's like you haven't done anything yet. Why are you why are you showing off like that? And then having it put on social media, whoever did that and decided to do that. Like I, I'm saying, it doesn't matter, which it doesn't. But at the same time, is I have no understanding of why you would do that. Like it's just so dumb.
1: Yeah, very little upside. What do you think, Miles?
2: Look, I, I'm
0: similar to Kieran, play on because it doesn't really matter. But, but I think, like, the only the only reason that anyone cares is because of the Panthers. And I'm not saying that in defense of the Panthers. I'm saying it's like, you know, it, it's always something with these guys. And I think people are getting a little bit tired of it, um, you know, whether that's fair or not. Um, so I, I certainly, you know, I, I opened it up on Sunday morning, whenever it was, and rolled my eyes and... You know, it doesn't matter, no. But, like, again, it's just, like, you know, more sort of, more sort of checks cashed in the bank of, of why everyone hates you.
1: Yes, I agree. Uh, it actually took a bit of a sting off the, uh, the whole Valentine Holmes thing, which we haven't mentioned. How wretched
0: <laughs> <it was. laughs> Which is way, so- let's be clear, way worse.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%. Way worse. And he's going with the line of, no, it was all a prank. So, um, allegedly he did cocaine but we don't know for sure so we can't say but i think that's a flimsy defense personally but there might be the truth i suppose and that's he he won't get he'll get a slap on the wrist let's be real uh let's talk about his former team where he came up through the grades at the sharks they came sixth against the roosters seventh it was an elimination final the sharks were in front 12-6 Uh, they had that was against 12 men for a bit with Tedesco, the fullback, and a captain for the Roosters off the field for a sin binning. He came back on with about 18 minutes left, down 12 6. And the Roosters proceeded to have the gutsiest victory in the history of their club, according to (laughs) Pete. But, uh, look, I had the Roosters down for premiership this year. I, this whole season, I've been like, yep, got that one wrong. That's fucked. Like, now they're in the top six. Uh, you know, they, the storm are coming off a, a pretty humiliating loss. There's a world where the Roosters end up in the in the in the grand in the grand final potentially, or at least the prelim. Kieran, can you see that for the Roosters, or do you think this is the end of the line for them?
2: Uh, without their injuries, I definitely could have seen it. Um, they were so, and I, I've spoken about this on the pod already, but they were so impressive in there. And it's only one game, but their last round victory against the Rapidos, I thought, wow, this is like day and night between the look between the, the team that we saw earlier for the majority of the season and that game. Um, they looked so fit, so organized. Everyone looked like they knew what they were doing, no one was overthinking their role. Um, so well drilled and then Sam Walker and Luke Keery were just popping up all over the field off and playing off the cuff footy that was just terrorizing the Rabbitoh defense and I wouldn't say that continued against the Sharks but it was very it was very gritty just maybe not quite as some commentators said um, and then yeah there's some of the class of, of Sam Walker shone through again who I see has been named um, despite being under an injury cloud I think the core of their spine being there does give me a bit of faith that they could cause an upset, but I'll probably be tipping the storm.
1: How do you feel, Miles? Because I'm sure like you, like many, probably thought the Roosters would go alright this year and suddenly out of nowhere they seem to be going okay, but like Kieran says, lots of injuries. Can they take this victory against the Sharks in the previous five they had in a row and, and do some damage in this September?
0: Uh look, uh, I, I... Don't know. Um, it, it it is a pretty it, look. It's a gutsy win. Obviously, it's not the greatest win in the history of the club. Um, <laughs> um, maybe, <laughs> probably not even the greatest win in the history of the the Sydney Roosters, um, uh, yes. which I, I think has only been a, th- a thing since what two thousand three, two thousand two, or really?
1: um, mid nineties. They were the Sydney Roosters. Uh, Nineteen ninety six. They all okay. changed. It was like the Sydney Tigers, um, the city, the Sydney, Sydney Bulldogs.
0: Roosters. Yeah, but they were the Sydney City Roosters for a little bit, weren't they?
1: Oh, okay. Yes, no, you're right. Sorry. Yeah. Yes, you're yeah. right.
0: Anyway, okay. I'm getting off track here. But uh, look, <laughs> you know, it's, it was a, it was a gutsy win, um, and, and the points stadium is an intimidating place to play. And um, I've actually I've actually been there since the. Um, since the, the apartments have, and the sort of, you know, the, the mixed-use development that they're building on the the eastern side of the, the, the stadium. Of course
1: you have. Yeah, of course has, you have. You've <laughs> been up in a swanky penthouse, bloody apartments, <laughs>
0: overlooking no, no, no. it. No, 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 Not at all, not at all. But I've been to the stadium. Um, and yes. it actually, it creates this sort of column of sound, which sort of reverberates back at the field at you. Um, so it is an intimidating place to play. Um, now, look, a, a, a road trip to, to Melbourne is probably a little bit a little different thing, but uh, Trent Robinson, Craig Bellamy—they're both great coaches. Um, and, and Bellamy was 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 thoroughly out coached by by Walters uh, on the weekend. I know, Bo, you probably dispute that, but um, I can see them winning. Um, I spoiler alert, probably won't be tipping them, but I, I can see it.
1: Uh, I, I don't dispute it, by the way. I, I thought Walters did uh, outplan the storm thoroughly i agree with that um and when the storm lost uh and I, I assumed that the roosters would beat the sharks i remember saying to you guys in the group chat i was like the roosters have a real chance of making a prelim here because the storm just looked yeah. out of it but then they had got a couple of extra injuries joey manu billy smith uh joseph Swalee, and you're just like wow they, their backline is horrendous this week but we will get into that in a second uh Let's talk about the Sharks very briefly. I was going to put this just back, but it seems relevant right now. They came second last year. They got knocked out in straight sets. Now, realistically, they should have won that first game against the Cowboys. They, they bottled that one. Um, and then, and then you know, uh, white powder prank legend Valentine Holmes kicks a field goal and everybody, you know, forgets that the Sharks were that close to having a home prelim Uh but, you know, swings and roundabouts, right? So they got knocked out in straight sets. Come to this season, they were less impressive, no question about it. They came sixth and again out in straight sets against an injury-affected Roosters after leading into the last quarter of the game. Miles, I think I know the answer to this. Is this a fail of a season for the Sharks, considering where they came from last year? Yeah,
0: absolutely it is. Um, and... What's concerning is that, um, you know, everyone sort of, you know, got on Nico Hines' state of origin for, you know, being on the field for five minutes and still managing to to fuck it up or whatever and, and not living up to the moment. But <laughs> um, no, no, I'm not trying to duck on him here. But like, he, it, it's another sort of mega performance in a big game for him. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And every player's mind works differently. Um, and you say, you know, where has where Craig Fitzgibbon been to support him the past two seasons um, when it comes to finals football? But it is, it is a little bit of a worry. Um, but then again, could I see the, the Sharks turning on next year and finishing top four and, and going on to the grand final? Of course I could because it's a very, very talented team. Uh, Hines is a brilliant player. Um, I can see him winning another Dallium next year, to be honest. Um, he's got that kind of ability, so it, look, it's it's a it's a a black eye this year, but it, it really, it's up to to Fitzgibbon and Hines how how black it is. It's interesting.
1: I uh, I was I was listening to someone shit. It, they were talking about they they had been speaking to Thurston or Cronk, one of the two, one of these like expert game managers that won comps and origin games and stuff through like late, late minute field goals and they said the hardest part is absolutely not the field goal The hardest part is setting up for the field goal, like getting the team in the right spot, knowing the right time to pull the trigger, uh, having the right people in the right place uh, to block or whatever it is, you know, get the fast, play the ball. That's the hard part, not the actual field goal itself. Kicking a drop goal is not that difficult. And it's interesting because like Nico Hines got charged down twice from players that were onside and it's just like, why aren't you standing five metres further back? Why aren't you pulling the trigger on a faster play the ball on the second or third tackle instead of the fifth or the fourth? Just these little things that he is an elite player or he's getting to that point. But like just those little things that Kronkel Thurston would have, would have nailed but a guy like Nico Hines isn't. Kieran, same question to you. Uh, do you think it's a fail of a season considering context? And if it is... Miles said they have a really great team. Do you agree? Do you you think that they have the nuclear sort of team that can push into the top four again and and start challenging?
2: I think it was a fail of a season, yes. I think if um, they had limped into the finals as it sort of seemed like they would or they possibly could have missed out altogether, you probably Uh, maybe would have given it a pass mark. But the way that they were a bit sort of, yeah, they were rejuvenated towards the end of the season and and you still look at that side. And as Miles said, I still think it's a very, very good side um i thought that they could i thought that they could possibly push for a prelim um and that's not going to happen like if if the sharks went through i i would probably say that they would be be beating the storm this weekend um except for on the evidence if they had only scraped past the, the roosters on saturday that probably wouldn't have been the most convincing way to do it but um yeah very good side i think with nico Hines there he's a obviously a very good player. Um, I, f- I would, yeah, I would give it a, a fail mark for the season. And just on the the field goal thing, like I agree 100%, like you've got to go for it on tackle three, because then if you've only got one choice, which is not the right thing to be doing, but you do it on tackle three, if that player can't get it away, maybe he dummies and maybe you score a try. Um, but then if you do want that same player to take it, if he gets tackled, uh, he can have another go on, on tackle five, if it has to come to that. Um, but I, you, when we spoke about this in the chat, you also brought up that the, the Sharks didn't have a second choice um, person to, to kind of pass back to if, if Heinz was under too much pressure, which, as you said, he shouldn't have been anyway because he should have been five metres further back, but they should have had a, a second option. Braden Trindle's right there.
1: Like, what, what's he doing? Um, yeah, I've I've got some. I mean, Connor Tracy's playing the half. Surely he could kick a field goal if need. You know yeah, I've got some concerns there with just the planning for the Sharks. So I think it's a fail of the season as well. I'm disappointed. I thought they would be a top four team this year uh, and they looked anything but top four team, frankly. Next up, we have the Knights of the Raiders. Uh, Knights were the huge favorites. The Raiders was the, uh, sorry, Chris was the only person in our panel that tips the Raiders in a close win. Uh, and he was almost right. It was called the best final in recent years. Miles, we've already talked about the fact that it was like just this really emotional thing for the Knights. Do you think the Knights have what it takes to pick themselves up after that emotion, after that close 90-minute victory, carrying an injury with Kalen Ponga? Can they go across the ditch and get the job done?
0: I think that all comes down to the health of Sean Johnson, I'm afraid to say. Um, That's the sort of, you know, the the razor-thin margins that these uh, good but not great teams work on. Um, and I, I think good but not great describes the Knights, despite the, the winning streak. It would certainly be the most impressive win for the club in since they made that preliminary final, probably. Uh, and I think if they do, the, the doubting has to end, right? Because that's... the that's, I think, all things considered, it is by far the toughest road trip in the NRL, going over to New Zealand and coming back. Um, mm-hmm. So... Yeah, could they do it? Who knows? But uh, I think it'll largely be based on the health of Sean Johnson.
1: It's worth remembering that they have to do that. And then if they do win in New Zealand, they come back to Newcastle and then go up to Brisbane. Yeah. To play against an informed Brisbane and well-rested Brisbane team.
0: That's, yeah, that's nigh on
1: impossible. It sounds tough. Uh, Kieran, how do you feel about the Knights? Uh, You know, obviously you were wrapped up in in the atmosphere, but there's, by the way, no Jackson Hastings this week. Adam Klune slots in some saying that he probably should have played anyway considering the fact that he's done a good job and Jackson Hastings was injured. Uh, how do you feel about the Knights traveling to the New Zealand? Can, can they get that job done?
2: I think they can get the job done this weekend. I don't know. I still don't know which way I'm going to tip it, but um, I probably, I don't think, even if uh, Sean Johnson is 100%, I wouldn't say I'm definitely going to go the Warriors, but just because Ponga the way he transforms that team is crazy and actually to be fair I thought Adam Elliott was a, a large part of that victory on Sunday if you, you watch the way he ball plays in the middle of the field and holds up defenders going into the line as we talk about with so many locks these days I thought he did that tremendously and gave um, the speed of at that time and space that he needed to skip around defenders on the edges and then set away his huge wingers who were just so good so, so good um, at scoring tries and then not only scoring tries but starting their sets. Um, they have they have a fair game plan the Knights. So I think that they could really they could definitely go over there and win. Um, they're not just going out there and freewheeling it every week and, and getting to 10 wins in a row. But I do agree with Miles that they're a good side but maybe not a great, at least not yet. But if they, as Miles said as well, if, if they win against the Warriors this weekend, yes, they've got the, the longest road to, to winning this whole thing. But I, could, I think they could do it. But obviously, yeah. I mean, beating the Warriors in New Zealand, beating Broncos in Brisbane, and then beating the Panthers in Sydney—that would be that would uh, that would have to be one of the best Premiership. I mean, this is—I don't Easy. think this is hyperbole. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> could, could be. Oh. Get absolutely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. I, I think I can uh, pick up what you're putting down there. Uh, it's uh, you picked up on an interesting thing there because. I agree. Adam Elliott's a bit underrated, in my opinion. And if you look at the teams that won this week, geez, they're 13s to sound like Matty Johns just for a second there. Geez, boys, they're, they're 13s. <laughs> they, because like you look at it, Pat Carrigan ripped it up. Isaiah Yeo always rips it up. Victor Radley had maybe his best game of the season. He was top five on the field for sure. And then, yeah, Adam Elliott was like really, really, really good. Um, and the other team's didn't quite have the same punch from their 13s. Uh, Tohu Harris maybe a bit unlucky for the Warriors with no ball, but that's about it. Um, let's sink our teeth into the Raiders, if you will, uh, after what Jack Whiten did. They came eighth last year. They forced their way into a second-week semifinal after beating the Storm, uh, but then they got trounced. This season, they came 8th again. I think they were far less impressive in coming 8th, but personally, I had them missing the 8th this year. So, Kieran, is it a pass mark for them?
2: I mean, when you consider how the whole NRL, including the refs and the media, are all against them, you'd have to give it a pass mark. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm still tempted to say it's a fail. Like, I I think that their their team is a lot better than it gets given credit for. They, they all... Like, I, w- I wouldn't say other than Jack, outside of Jack Whiten and, and yeah, I mean, maybe Tapani, Um I wouldn't say they have any real superstars, but they have, like, pretty much all above average players, I would say. Like, rapana is a lot better player than what I thought he was, or at least the form that he sort of summed to two years ago. I didn't think he would get back to this. And then pretty much every player in that side I could say is, like, a, definitely at least a bon- bona fide first grade player that I wouldn't expect to get dropped anytime soon. So I, I would probably give it a fail. I, uh, I really like their
1: forward pack at full strength. You know, you got, it's, it's, it's a rep forward pack, you know, Tapané, Papalei, Hudson, Young, Elliot Whitehead, Corey Horsburgh, when they're all fit, that's a very good forward pack. I'm worried about the spine. I look at, you know, their fullback of choice this season was Sebastian Chris, who eventually got dropped for Jordan Rapinar, who works hard, but he's not an elite fullback. Uh, Jack Whiten was their 5'8 for the last few years. Clive Churchill, medal winner. Dally M, medal winner. Uh, ends up playing in the centres, and he's leaving the club anyway. Matt Frawley's leaving the club. He's their 5'8. Jamal Fogarty actually had a really good game against the Knights, I thought. Uh, and Zach Wolford is their dummy half. It doesn't scream finals team to me. Not to sound like Willie Mason, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but like, that, that's... that's Miles, That that isn't a, a, a team that... Screams finals football to me. So, do you think eight is a, a decent result for them?
0: Uh, I think to be f- to be fair to them, we have to say it is a pass mark. Um, you, you, I think you are both right. Um, they've, you know, it, it's a good forward pack and a, a backline which is lacking a fair bit. But they made the finals in lieu of the Rabbitohs, in lieu of the Eels, in lieu of the Cowboys who won the, made the preliminary final last year. Um, the Seagulls, even you could say they have obviously. Tom Troy, that got hurt, but good team. Um, so they did. They they were sort of the last man standing among a bunch of really good teams. Um, I think there's something to be said for that. And I, I think, look, we all we all laugh at Ricky, and I, I don't like him personally, but he's a, I think he's a good coach. Um, he he certainly knows how to connect with the teams that he has, um, and he did a good job getting them to where they are this year. Um, and let's be honest, they what they were what uh, one, one penalty in in the wrong spot on the field, away from um, from from a, a semi-final. So, mm-hmm. you know, let's, let's not be too harsh on them here. Um, that if, and I think we all know the issue with, with being in Canberra. I know, I know you like it, Bo, and I'm not, not shitting on the city here, but it is hard. I fucking to love back. Canberra. I love <laughs> Canberra. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard to uh, – th- that'd be great if, the, if you're a, uh, a Dallium halfback, but it's, it's hard to attract talent to the city. Um, which is why they often so, so often go the, the English route because uh, Northern England is such a shithole and, and, and Canberra too is such a shithole. So, <laughs> uh,
3: it's, yeah, it's, absolutely it's, fucked,
0: mate. They're, <laughs> they're uh, second to the Warriors. They've probably got the, the grimmest sort of situation in, in the NRL in terms of um, attracting talent. Um, and I, I think finals is, is fair for this, more than fair for this team.
1: I tend to agree. I tend to agree. Uh, I think they were perilously close to getting into week two of the finals. That would have been a victory for them. So, you know, I think I think that's okay. Boys, let's have a, a quick little break before we get into our predictions for the coming week. We're going to hear from the Big E live from Dubai with his phenomenal tip of the
0: weeks. International.
1: Yeah, going international here. Yeah, exactly right. We are like, you know, we're big business here, boys. We're dead set. Phenomenal, I phenomenal. I <laughs> Yeah.
4: Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> G'day, boys. So, about that. Uh, this is the biggie. Been uh, on Gibson. I'm doing my biggie. Been on the tip of the week. First, I'm gonna do my wild card. I say good, congratulations to the Brisbane Broncos. Uh, Twenty-six to zero. Well done to them. That's my wild card. Yeah, that's my wild card for the Broncos. And I also got four out of four. <clears throat> Good week for me, so that's that, uh, that's that week already done. Now, my beekeeping on the tip of the week for the semi-finals. I am going to tip, uh, the first match I am going, going to tip is, uh, Storms and Roosters, the first match at, at Emmy Park. I think that maybe the Storms will get home and finish win. And my second biggie even on the tip of the week, I'm going to tip Newcastle Knights against the Warriors. And my board petition about that match for the um, Warriors and the Knights. I am going to say Dominican will get a winning try and Kenya Patonka will get a winning go. But, yeah, it, it will be a good match, and you guys enjoy the rest, rest of your part on Wednesday. I'm just doing I'm just doing that today for that day, so um, have a great day. Yes, I am having a great holiday. Thank you. Uh, yes, this is the biggie. Yeah, Dubai is also doing really good, too, so nice, hot, sunny day over here. And um, I'll be on a plane on Tuesday, so that's why I'm doing it. Yeah, this is the Big E. What would? Yeah, and uh, have a great day. Cheers, boys. Cheers, cheers. cheers. Let's go, nights, nice, nice, nights. Nice, nice.
1: Welcome back to Above the Horizontal. Big thank you to the Big E, Owen Gibson, Down Syndrome Queensland advocate and roving reporter, live from Dubai. Thank you, the Big E, for your phenomenal predictions this round. And I'm joined here by Miles Steadman and Kieran Gibson. We're going to talk very briefly about how week two of the finals are going to go uh, with the team list that have been named, of course. So the first game is the Storm versus Roosters. That's fourth versus, sorry, third versus seventh from Amy Park on Friday night. Now for the Storm, uh, of course, unfortunately, uh, very significant injury to Ryan Pappenhausen, but nowhere near as significant as we thought it was going to be, which is a, obviously a huge sigh of relief from the community at large. Uh, they also will be with our... Xavier Coates, who got himself injured. And it looks like young Tomapea has been dropped in favour of Justin Ollum, which personally I think is a good call. Remus Smith will play on the wing uh, instead of Xavier Coates. And Pappenhausen was on the bench. They've replaced him with a forward, Alec McDonald. Uh, the Roosters will be without, as I mentioned, Billy Smith, Joey Manu, and Joey Swali'i. Their backline now reads as Tedesco. <laughs> uh pa- <laughs> Paunga, Momorovsky, Corey Allen, Queensland legend, and Rabbitoh's legend, Jackson Paolo. So that's, yeah, it's dire. It's dire. The Storm have Marianne Seve, East Tigers legend. So (laughs) that's, that's something, I guess. Uh, But I will say this I think the Roosters might have the edge in the forwards. Even without Jared, where we are, Hargreaves? I think their forwards have been really, really good. Uh, I think the Storm have the edge in the back line and I think the Storm have the edge in the spine. They also have a home ground advantage. Kieran, how do you see this one going?
2: Yeah, I, I think that the, the Storm will be a bit more focused on rather than, as I said, ruffling up the feathers of their opponent and actually playing this weekend. I think the start of a finals match is so important to just not just to settle the nerves, but kind of get into a rhythm, um, which is exactly as I was touching on was what the Broncos did against the Storm, and I think that the Storm should take a leaf out of their book and try to do that this weekend. Uh, I think that they'll be much better for that loss. I think they'll win. Well, I, I think um,
0: I've said this about um, one or two of the players in this back line before, but that they genuinely look, would not look out of place in a shoot shield team. Um, <laughs> I, um, I think that <laughs> I think that, um, that back line's going be, to be a little bit too much to overcome. Um, for the reasons are going to take the storm by double digits.
1: Uh, if friend or Chris Waring were here, they would say it's like uh, it's like they've been auto-generated from Ricky Ponting cricket, where they just sort of like mixed up the names a little bit <laughs> just to just to change things up. Uh, they yeah, it's it's not pretty. It's not pretty, and I think like you know they're all individually enough. Uh, scratch that. Never mind. Um, I'll go with I'll go, I'll go with the Storm as well. As I, as I mentioned, when the Storm lost to the Broncos, I dead set thought the Roosters were a sure thing for a prelim final. And then they had three pretty hard to replace injuries. Yeah, I just can't back that in. Not in Melbourne. So, I'm going to go for the Storm as well. The second and final game for the round will be on Saturday evening or Saturday afternoon, our time. Uh, it's six oh five PM in Auckland at Go Media Stadium. Uh, <laughs> it's the it's the third, fourth place Warriors and the fifth place Knights. So very interesting. Uh, in terms of outs, there's nothing significant for the Warriors. Uh, they've they they're pretty much sweet, but they do of course welcome back Sean Johnson, which moves Dylan Walker back to the bench, and that's a much better. Configuration for them for the Knights, as I mentioned, no Jackson Hastings. Uh, he'll be replaced by Adam Clune, considering that Hastings was carrying injury. I think that's a good move. They will also be without Lachlan Fitzgibbon. Now he's a he's a crowd favourite here, particularly with Daniel Friend, but <laughs> but he. Honestly, he's been so good. <laughs> he's been, like, really, really good for the Knights. Uh, his late offload uh, has been really opening up space for Kalen Ponga or people to give it to Kalen Ponga. So, uh, he'll be a loss. He really will be. Dylan Lucas is, ha- is a good footballer, though. He's played some good footy for them recently. So, he'll-, he'll go in there and do a job for sure. It's a home game for the Warriors, as we mentioned, at Go Media Stadium. Man for man across the lineups, uh, you can... Draw little advantages here or there, but I think it. I think it ends up being pretty even. And Miles, I need a prediction. Is it going to be a pretty straightforward one for you, or a tough one?
0: Um, it, it is going to be a tough one. Um, I, I'm still tipping the Warriors by like say a six or something like that, four or six. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it'll be it'll be a real real tough one. I reckon.
2: My heart's saying the knights, but my head's saying the the warriors. So I, I really like Ponga, um, the way he's playing. I like the way the whole knights team's playing. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna tip the knights. I um I think Daniel Saifidi should probably start. I do wonder if they'll bring him in as good as Leo Thompson has been. Um, mm. But yeah, yeah, no, I'm gonna go the knights. Leo Thompson's a smoky for a uh, Kiwis jersey, I
1: reckon. I reckon he's going to be – he'll be in there, uh, there or thereabouts, I would say. And the Knights' sneaky have maybe one of the best back lines in the comp at the moment, in terms of form, at least. They've they've genuinely got some strike out there uh, with the pace of Young, the strength of Marziu, the soft hands of Bradman and Best and Dane Gagai's Pretty impressive error rate, really, yeah, like in the, in the wrong way, I guess. And, and then you throw in like a guy like Tyson gambler <laughs> who is just, you know, primed, absolutely primed. Uh, no sooner did Chris wearing in the group chat say that any team that has Tyson Gamble as 5 8 can't be taken seriously, did he have, he just, he brained it. The second half was incredible. Uh, I thought he was better than Ponga, frankly. So I, uh, with all that said, I'm going to go for the Warriors. Uh, I think the home ground advantage makes a difference, and I think Sean Johnson makes a difference, particularly up against Adam Clune, who I said is a good, solid, workman-like halfback, but Johnson is uh, is something else. So I think I'm going to go for the Warriors, but with no real confidence. Boys, Even that, even just tipping any team in that one feels bold, but not bold enough for a bold prediction. I need something better. So Kieran... What do you have for us?
2: I'll stick with what I had. I'm not as confident with it anymore, but I'm going to say that the the total score of the winning sides will be double that of the the losing sides this weekend. Okay. All
1: right. So you're really hoping that the the losing sides don't like hit 40 or something,
2: or that the storm just smashed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. All
1: right. So the winning teams to have uh, double the aggregate of the losing teams. All right, that works. Miles, what's your bold prediction this week?
0: Uh, well, if I may commence by my bold prediction essay. Um, Thank you. C.U.R. Wong has been a lot of uh, attracting a lot of attention this week. Um, he seems to be the, like the latest battleground player between rugby and league. Um, and look, even the, um, the New Zealand rugby union is interested. So uh, I think that should tell you a little bit about his talent. And this is sort of, it may be his last opportunity to... Uh, Sign off with a strong performance this season, so I'm going to uh, I'm going to tip him in for two tries in a close Roosters loss.
1: Two tries in a loss—that's that would be that would be amazing. He played a bit of centre last week, actually, uh, and he looks pretty good out there in either position. Frankly,
0: he did play um, centre at. Uh, I can I can just see Chris typing right now as he's hearing this, but he he did play centre for for Scots College in in Sydney <laughs> GPS rugby, so um, there is form. <laughs> <Okay>.
1: <laughs> I I don't know what to say to you anymore when you talk about reputation <laughs> <laughs> It's just like speaking of battlegrounds like we, we just can't go there. Um I uh you know speaking of battlegrounds, I'm gonna back in my mate. Now when I say that with these four teams, who do you guys think of, Miles? When I say my mate, that I'm gonna back in.
0: Shit. Um Corey
2: Allen? Allen?
1: Okay, uh, Kieran, do you want to have a guess?
2: Uh, oh, Just, you're Nate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Corey Allen, I would say. Christian Welch. Matter. I'm oh. going to back oh. in Christian
1: Welch, of course, the great man. I'm I'm Christian Welch's biggest fan since he replied to me on that Twitter that time. So <laughs> i I am going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go for Christian Welch. Uh, Christian Welch, rather, to score a try to score a try in a storm win i reckon that's bold enough because he does not score many boys thank you for joining me very much this week miles uh any plans for watching football this weekend
0: uh no de- no detailed plans yet but uh there are some good games on so there's a lot of potential to be had
1: any rugby union games of course
0: <laughs> yeah well it's the rugby world up at the moment so yeah try to catch as many of them as possible but um miles needs sleepy time too so that's true it's that's it's
1: true Kieran, you are an Irish legend and so is the big E. I, I did see that the island made light work of, I think it was Romania. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's that's a good sign. Uh, are you feeling confident?
2: Blah blah. <laughs> Am I feeling confident? <laughs> I'm not sure. We actually have uh, <laughs> a Dra- Fucking Dracula over here. What's going on?
0: <laughs> I couldn't think of anything else. Like, over the top <laughs> Romanian. Sorry to... Dance probably here.
2: But we, we have our um we have our Ireland have our or have their rather just so Chris doesn't uh, antagonise me with we um they have their, <laughs> their two hardest fixtures towards the end of the, the, the group uh, stages they have South Africa and Scotland last which will decide their fate um but yeah there's heaps of sport on this weekend obviously the I just saw that the or noticed that the Warriors Knights kicks off at four pm which is really good because that means that I'll be able to watch the AFL final straight after or pretty much straight after. Um, but yeah, mm. EPL is back this week. Everything's on. It's awesome. Awesome time of year. Well, boys, thank you very much for joining me. My, me, myself, I will continue
1: to not give a fuck about Rugby Union, AFL, or the <laughs> EPL. So
2: <laughs> What about NFL?
1: NFL? No, I won't give a fuck about that either. I have enjoyed the t- the, new, the t- TikTok uh, filter that I showed you. That's been fun. But yes. apart, from, apart from that, I don't give a fuck. I do not care. I only care about rugby league and cricket. So rugby league it is for me at the moment because I also don't care about one-day international cricket so basically rugby league for me two games this weekend cannot wait and i hope the audience cannot wait as well thank you for joining us very much and i look forward to next week where we talk about the upcoming preliminary finals but until then Above the Horizontal is a rugby league podcast by the fans and for the fans. It's produced by our entire team of former writers for real sport, including Daniel Friend, Christopher Waring, Miles Stebbin, Kieran Gibson, and me, Bo Nicholson. We'd love it if you could support us by telling a rugby league fan about us so they can go above the horizontal as well. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Art changes over time. This might feel weird to say because the art itself doesn't physically change, but if we agree that art tells us something about the world around us, what happens to that art once the world has changed? This is the question we try to answer on Movieversaries, a film podcast on the We Made This Network. I'm the host, Bo Nicholson, and in each episode my guests and I celebrate and re-evaluate films on significant anniversaries. We examine films from all over the world through a critical lens to determine if they stand the test of time by exploring their themes, performances and techniques. This year, our focus is on movies made in years ending in three. So far we've covered the avant-garde classic Meshes of the Afternoon from 1943. On the other end of the spectrum, how does the technical marvel Jurassic Park hold up 30 years later? We also delve into other iconic films of their time, such as King Kong from 1933, Eight and a Half from 1963, and Return of the Jedi from 1983. From European art house to action, comedy, and horror, if a film is celebrating a significant anniversary, we're discussing it. Don't miss out. Subscribe to Movieversaries now, wherever you get your podcasts.